my name is Laura. I don't know if I already mentioned that. Um, and today is the 30th of July, 2020. So just to get us started, um, I'd like to know a bit about you really before we kind of head into the bigger questions. Um, could you tell me a bit about you and your background and um, state your name as well? Okay, well, my name is Chick, Chick Duncan. Um, background, I have had obsessive compulsive disorder for oh, at least 35, 40 years, probably more. Um, I haven't worked full time since 1988. Uh, I, um, December 1988, I had to give up my, my job in London and I came back up north. And then for about five years, I was in and out of hospital three times. Um, and the last time I came out of hospital in October 93, I've got all these dates in my head, October 93, and in January 94, I started retraining in IT. Um, since then, I, I, there was a question about work as well. So this kind of takes that into, takes that into consideration. I, um, I have been an IT tutor in community education. I've been an IT tutor at Glasgow University. I've been a web designer. Uh, I did one of the, well, I, I, maintained one of the websites. I didn't really design it at Dundee Uni, one of the law department's websites. And um, I lived in a Buddhist monastery for four years, where I was Sammy Ling it is down in the southwest of Scotland. I, um, I, I redesigned a couple of websites there and looked after them. I've also lived at a place called Lothlorien, which is a therapeutic community for people with mental health problems. Um, I Cut a long story short, I had wanted to go there as a resident um, and couldn't get it organised, long story. But 10 years later, I went as a volunteer co-worker and lived for two years. It's a kind of, it's kind of a hippie commune, man, except it's not quite that. And um, so I lived there for two years as well. And I left there a few years ago and I'm now just living quietly. So um, all of that that I've mentioned has been done part-time because I was never well enough to do it full-time, never well enough to earn a living. And uh, I've been relying on benefits for most of those, all, all but three of those 30 years I've been on benefits. So that's me. So you've had a really interesting and varied life so far and done a huge amount of different things. It's, I don't really know where to start. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can, can, I just, can I just say, I, I realise I haven't mentioned the arts yet, and that's really what you're interested in, isn't it? Um, my, my yeah, but it's, um, I think it all kind of comes together, so we'll get round to it, don't you worry. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so maybe you could tell me a little bit about how you first became interested in the arts and mental health, because you've spoken um, uh, maybe about sort of uh, the Buddhist monastery and things and mm. and that side of things, but yeah, the art side would be really interesting to know as well. Well, I I've been writing since my teens, you know, not getting published or anything. Well, you know, a magazine here and there, but um, since my teens, really, yeah, I've been I've been writing and uh, set out to write the great Scottish novel, you know, and it, it didn't happen. Um, it was only really. It would be when I came out of hospital for the third time, that would be, um, as I said, when I retrained in IT, so that would be 1994. 
I uh, I went to the local college in Paisley, that's where the hospital was, um, Reed Care College. And purely by chance, really, I bumped into one of my lecturers one day uh, after I'd been there a few months, and she said, we're looking for men to be in a play. <laughs> Would you like to be in a play? Well, well you know, I'd, I've always been a kind of, somewhere in here I've been an actor, although I've never actually done it. And so, oh, yeah, I'll go for that. So I'd, it's Amdram, of course. and. Uh, I I loved it. the the first The first play I was in, um, there was a the, the end of the first act. I'll, I'll tell you this; it might amuse people. The end of the first act, um, I'm a I'm a social climber, and I've just been offered this partnership in this massive shipbuilding company in the Clyde. So the 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 guy is going backstage to or upstage rather to um to pour the drinks, and I'm kind of oh that's very kind of you sort of thing, and as I as I turned away from him. It hadn't been rehearsed at all because we'd not been in front of an audience yet, but there was an audience in front of me and he's pouring the drinks and I'm doing nothing and something just happened and I kind of went, yes, for the for the, the, the job sort of thing. And the audience laughed. I thought, oh, I like this power. <laughs> and that was me. I was hooked. So I, mean, I did a few Amdrams and then I went up to Dundee and got involved in Dundee Rep Community Company, where again, I did a few plays there, um, main stage stuff sometimes. And uh, we did one where we went round, there was a, a five-hander, we went round schools. So I'll, I'll come back to that because that's the one thing that is relevant to what Ailey was asking me about. So that was Dundee Rep. And then after Dundee was when I went to live at Sammy Ling. And I was there, as I say, for four years. And I was there maybe, a, I don't know, a, a few months. Um, and uh, I started to miss the, the performing, the acting stuff. So I started putting together my own stuff for children. And I, I made the Smelly Welly Telly show, which I then, uh, I tried that out in the local primary school one evening to an audience of 13 people, um, the big time. And, uh, but you know, it, it went down okay. So the next thing I did was the Galloway Children's Festival. Um, this was, by this time, this was in 2004, so it was 2003, summer of 2003 that I went to Sami Ling. Somewhere around 2004 was when I started, I think it was March, um, I started the, the Smelly Welly Telly show. Then I went to the Galloway Children's Festival a couple of months later. Then I did a few other things. I did the, um, I did the Glasgow Comedy Festival once. Uh, a couple of festivals up in up north, up near Perth area. Uh, so yeah, I've done a few wee bits and pieces. And then, as I say, not very often paid. The Galloway Children's Festival was the first, the first and only time I've been paid. Not not the only, the first time I've been paid. Um, so I was just going to ask, um, is your um, your creativity? Because it sounds like it's quite a lot of. Um, personal work that you do it springs from a personal uh, place rather than being work orientated I suppose mm. um, so it, does your um, creativity come from mental health as inspired by mental health or would you say that the two sit kind of separately they are quite separate um, I actually haven't written very much about mental health at all and it's, it's quite interesting with, I volunteer with See Me. Uh, did I say that? I'm a volunteer with See Me Scotland. And some of the other volunteers were talking about this the other day. Um, we, we did a, 
not a podcast, a, a Facebook Live event, and we were talking about it. Well, it was actually called um, "More Than My Mental Health." So that's kind of how I see it. I, I, I without being too, you know, up myself about it, I'm a writer who sometimes writes about my mental health rather than somebody who writes exclusively about my mental health. Because you know, I've been writing, as I say, for long before I was diagnosed with any condition. Yeah, that's um, that's really interesting, and it's it's good to hear that you have that view of it. Because I think all too often, people who are creative, who maybe have struggles with mental health, myself included, we have maybe a tendency sometimes to think that they're tied together, that they're mm. kind of linked, or or if I if I'm well, maybe I won't be as creative, but um, no, it's, re it's really good to hear that kind of positive side of things. Mm. Um, so I suppose to start off, um, maybe what kind of arts and mental health community has, or have you been involved in or felt drawn to? I know that you did um, those kind of early plays and it was just someone by chance who kind of got you into it, but um, have there been any particular arts and mental health communities that you've been a part of? When I was with Dundee Rep, um, the community company, we did two two things. One was a, a main stage play, which was based on interviews that had been carried out with a variety of people with a variety of mental health issues. And the, the play was um, uh, uh, sort of inspired by that. Excuse me. I, I had to guzzle some cereal before I came on because my stomach was rumbling. The burp. <laughs> um, so the the play, um, some of the some of the lines in the play were lifted directly from the interviews. You know, people obviously gave their their permission. Um, and uh, in fact, one of the one of the roles that I that I had there was this kind of um, if you think of like you're the audience and there's this big wall. And I, a number of us at various positions, you know, have up some stairs and things, open the window and deliver deliver the line and then come back out. So the line that I, or the lines that I delivered uh, were lifted directly from the interview. And in fact, it was, um, it, it was something, I can't remember the words certainly, but it was something that a, a gay man who was having mental health problems of some kind, I don't know if they were related. Um, these were his words, and he was apparently in the audience when I when I delivered it. So I didn't know that at the time, I only knew afterwards. Yeah, um, uh, what year was that, just to, um, just to ask? I can't remember, it was called It Could Be You. Okay. Um, and it, I, it was about 20 years ago. Because I know Ailey was wanting stuff before the 20, before 2003, wasn't she? So it was about 20 years, definitely before 2003, because that's when I went to the Ling. Um, I can possibly find out the exact information if you like, because I've been in touch with the rep, but they couldn't get into the theatre when I when I contacted them because of lockdown. Yeah. Um, so that that was the that's the one thing really. The the community group wasn't specifically about mental health. Although I think they now have an arts advocacy group, but that's not really, you know, from, from all those years ago. Also, oh no, they did have an arts advocacy group at that time, but I wasn't involved. The other thing I did was a video. 
along the same kind of lines um, relating to, to mental health and uh, homelessness and that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, I remember going into somebody's house. He was a filmmaker, and we just went to his house one night, and he, he, he did it. You know, his house was the was the set, or one of them. You know. Yeah. So that's, that's the only two things I can remember. Um. So I suppose the reason why I asked the year is because um I'm really curious to know about um people's attitudes towards mental health around that time. Um, I know when I was a teenager in the sort of mid 2000s, attitudes were still not great, and there was, you know, some stigma. So I was just wondering what the reception was um, to the plays that you were in and to the film that you did, and maybe general ideas at the time if you could speak to that. Mm. As far as I was aware, of the reception, you know, the, the play in particular, when I was, you know, talking to to audiences. Um, our audience members, well, yeah, it was, the attitude was okay, but then those were people who came because they were interested, you know, a much, on a much wider issue, I, I don't know, I mean, you, you've said yourself, friend, about that time, that there was a certain, certain amount of stigma, and there probably still is, you know, the, it's much more um, acceptable now to talk about your mental health, but it's still there, it's still you know, people are, are still quite reluctant sometimes. Then again, I'm completely open about, I, 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 can, be, I can be a wee bit in your face sometimes, not quite, but you know, I just, it's a natural thing for me to talk about. And so I maybe don't recognise the stigma in quite the same way as somebody else might, you know. Um, so you say that you didn't really um, notice any sort of um, stigma in particular. I know that um, you said the the first the play that you took part in that was um, based on testimonies from people. Um, mm. How how willing were the people? Do you know to come forward and kind of put their personal stories out there for everyone to hear? I think I think they were okay with it. Yeah, um, it was anonymized. I mean, nobody was identified in the play, uh, so it was it was all anonymous, and a, a lot of the play was fictional, you know, around these things. But yeah, I, I imagine that people were starting to think it was important to to make these statements. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. There, there was certainly a certain amount of stigma and sometimes, I mean, you know, in the same kind of time frame, although not specifically in that situation, I have told people, about my mental health problems and they you know sometimes you just see the face change you know and you're going, oh, I don't know what to say about this or was that? I remember somebody who'd, who'd known me for a while it was at Sammy Ling somebody and it just came up one day you know that I had all this background and this guy just kind of looked at me and said but there's nothing wrong with you <laughs> and he said, well, yeah and no <laughs> but it's uh, but he was okay about it he wasn't really you know, putting me down or anything, but yeah. Um, so was it the um, the Dundee uh, rep who did the the play that you were part of? Ah, uh -huh. yes, the, the the community company, yeah. Yeah. Um. So do you happen to know how they sort of um how they worked in terms of funding? Did they get sort of uh, mental health? Foundation funding for the project, all of them are um, arts based. 
That's a good point, actually. Um, I have no idea. For, for us, it was almost, it, it was just another community play. You know what I mean? So the way that they got the funding previously, I would imagine, would be the same. Uh, it's a good question. I, I could try and find out for you. I don't actually know where the funding would have come from. The other people who were part of the, um, the community company, uh, was it quite a large uh, company and did people kind of come and go or was it a kind of quite solid bunch? It was quite large and yes, th th there was a, a core of people who would be coming along most of the time, but uh, sometimes somebody would drift in and drift out again and that sort of thing, yeah. Um, Aye, yeah, it was a fairly, fairly large core of people, I would have said, but there were also peripheries. And then um, what were their attitudes towards the, the play that you did? Did they have um, similar kind of empathy for the subject matter as you did at the time? I think probably mixed. I would imagine there were, I can think of two or three people who might have been in the play and and you know but not really taking on the message and maybe being a bit dismissive of people with mental health problems i can think of one or two who might have been i don't want to you know talk anybody down but mostly i think there was a sympathy um or, or, or an empathy even many of us did have mental health problems although it wasn't exclusively for for people with that mental health background you know Um, and how did you sort of go about meeting other people to connect with creatively? I know that you have this group at Dundee Rep, but were there any any other creative like minds that you met? Um, oh, I'm trying to think back. Um, the the Amdram stuff, as I say, in Paisley was the the first real connection there, and then when I went to Sammy Ling, but that was in 2003. And thereafter, I suppose I became reasonably proactive. I would put on my own show. I would contact the festivals and say, is it possible to get a slot? And then after Sammy Ling, I went down to Winchester and did a, a course in writing for children. Then came back up to, to Glasgow and um, was, you know, I would, I would approach people and say, you know, is there, a, is there a, a spoken word night or something like that that I could get involved in? And um, I don't know, I suppose just gradually you start to get to know people and there's like where I'm living just now, there's a venue called The Bakehouse. I live in Gatehouse of Fleet uh, and um, The Bakehouse is one of the reasons I came to live here because I came here from Sammy Ling, so, no, no, sorry, from Lothlorien on my breaks and started making that connection with The Bakehouse and I've made friends here and it's quite an, an RTV community, really. There's a few storytellers and writers and musicians and that sort of thing. So that's just how it happens. Yeah, you just, word of mouth, really, you sort of start bumping into people, you know? Yeah. Um, could you tell me a bit more about the big house? I've never heard of it. Is it, is it a venue or is it more of a community? Oh, the, the big house is a venue. It's actually somebody's house. Um, her name is, well, they, Chris Salt and Richard McFarlane are the two people who own it. And it's, you know, they live there. But um, roughly once a month, uh, they, um, they have the, the Bakehouse event, 
where the kitchen becomes a venue. It's uh, it's got it's quite a quite a big kitchen, and it's got a stage, a you know, raised stage on it. And um, it did I say it used to be a bakehouse? You know, I, I, it actually used to be a bakehouse. And in the kitchen, there's still the one of the kitchen walls has the door of the oven. And if you go through the door, not that door, if you go the, the side door, you're in the room that used to be the big oven. It's really quite fun. So um, I know that you began in uh, theatre. Is that something that you've uh, followed or um, is it more the kind of performance and poetry that you do now? Um, mostly what I do now is perform my own work, which is actually somewhere between writing and acting. You know, it's some, it falls somewhere in the middle there. Um, I, uh, I call myself a performer of poems. You may have seen my, my signature in my email. So that's, that's kind of what I do. It's storytelling a wee bit, but I'm not really a traditional storyteller um, because I don't tell traditional tales. But I would certainly think of myself as being in the tradition and I would certainly pay respect to the tradition, but it's just not quite what I do, you know? Yeah. Um, so who is your audience at the moment, would you say? <laughs> at the moment, a couple of spiders in my, in my living room. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. I um, Mostly, I would say, um, the adults who come to the bakehouse, who are essentially a poetry audience. You know, I mean, I didn't mention to you Chris, Chris Salt, um, who, who owns the bakehouse. Uh, she's, she's got an MBE in the, for uh, services to the arts. She's a, oh, she's been an actress, she's been a director, and she's also a poet. So uh, she she brings in that that kind of audience. And we get some big names as well from, uh, I think, who we've had down there recently. Um, oh, I can't think of names, but, you know, we get some big names down there. And it's essentially a poetry audience. Sometimes I do things for kids, but not very often these days. Um, and would you say that, um the audience that you had for the um the play that you did um what were what kind of audience were they that you were trying to reach um oh, difficult really they were really just the rep audience because the the community shows um tend to be really quite popular particularly with like Dundee folk will come along to see plays about Dundee, which is very often what the community plays were. They were set in Dundee or they had some Dundee connection. And if you could throw in some Dundee accent, you know, the audience loved it. You know, it's all, I don't know if you, would you know the Dundee accent at all? Um, yeah, I've been there a little bit. I'm, I'm based up in Aberdeen, so a little bit I know it, yeah. Oh, right, because, uh, you know, like they don't say... They don't say I, they say eh. So you've got a pay as a pie and that sort of thing. And it just you throw something like that into a play and oh, immediately people are laughing because it's just, they recognise it, you know. So that, that would be, the audience, it was really just the kind of folk who would come along to any community play would have come to that one, I think. Plus the fact that there was that extra reach to people who were interested in mental health issues. That would be the, the kind of audience. Yeah. 
Um, did you do any specific work to, to find that extra audience who were people who maybe wouldn't be a traditional rep audience and might um, might be more interested in the kind of mental health issues? Well, I suppose, I mean, I, I wouldn't have had much to do with that at all. Bear in mind that this was the, I mean, this was the rep. So like we were dealing with, we were working with um, professional director, professional stage crew, professional, you know, lighting and all that. So, so and marketing, um, is, you know, like you've got the whole, that whole other aspect that the actors don't get involved in at all. Um, but certainly the people who had, um, who had given the interviews would have come along. As I say, that one of the guys was in the audience when I was delivering his lines. So they would have come along and they might not always have been interested in the theatre. So I suppose there was a little bit of reach, extra reach, but what work was done to get to, to, to find those people, I'm not sure. And um, do you think, um, what do you think the importance is of mental health in the arts? Of course, I'm sure if, um, if the man whose lines you were delivering in the play, that would have had quite a big impact um, on him seeing his own kind of um, ideas reflected. Hmm. I, I think so. I was told afterwards that he, he, he was happy with what I'd done. You know, he, he liked what I'd done with the lines. I mean, it was only, you know, a minute or something, but, he, you know, he was, he was happy. And I presume, yes, that would be a... Um, kind of validation really for for anybody to hear their words performed like that and uh i i do think yes for me personally i would have been writing anyway but for a lot of folk they find that suddenly writing helps uh with their with their mental health as somebody one of the volunteers we've been you know we've been doing sort of some uh poetry my fingers moving around there. Um, we've been doing some, uh, I think I've told you this already, a couple of live events on Facebook. And uh, one of the, I'm pretty sure one of the women hasn't really been writing much until fairly recently. Although she, she may have been writing but not performing it. I think that's, it. but now she's quite, she's quite, quite keen to get on a video and, and so on. And that's, that's a real boost for, for her, for her self-esteem. As I say, it gives you validation, you know. So I think it's, I think it's very important, yeah. And being involved in a theatre group as well can be a real, you know, it's a community. It's and it can, you know, it can it can be a real fill up for you, yeah. Do you think that there's um, a wider, more, more sort of general uh, public impact on seeing arts, um, seeing mental health portrayed in the arts? Uh, well, yes, I would think so. I mean, um, it's um, if you think of well-known people, like particularly in, I'm thinking of Stephen Fry. Immediately, he comes in, he comes to mind. So, but he's he's known for his television work first of all, and his comedy and so on. And then he's known as oh, but he's actually also quite unwell sometimes, and and that's an important aspect of him. So I think it gradually chips away at the stigma. And the the negative um, the negative view of mental health, and and gradually you start to realise. I think that the general the general audience starts to realise there's really a significant number of people who are very successful 
in the arts, but who also have mental health problems. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, my, my big hero is Spike Milligan. Um, and, and Spike, uh, he, he, was, he was blown up during the war. A mortar blew up beside him. And I think he had a metal plate in his head. And thereafter, he, he suffered from uh, bipolar disorder. And, you know, when he was writing, the, the goons was the, I mean, you're, you're too young to remember this, but the goons was massive in the 50s. I mean, it was the, and it, he was a genius. But at the same time, sometimes he was really, really ill and had to be in hospital. And, you know, he would check himself into hospital sometimes. So I think gradually that's, that's there was a, a huge stigma then, but gradually it's been chipped away. And I think the arts, arts generally which discuss an, uh, mental illness will have a, a positive effect, yeah, on a wider audience. So you, would you say that um, there's been quite a large um, sort of shift in the way that mental health has been viewed, um, I suppose, uh, since you first became unwell to sort of now? Yeah, I would think so. I think it's, it is gradually changing. And I, I think it's quite, quite good at the moment, but not perfect. We, again, the volunteers at CME have discussed this, and some of the problems we find most are with health professionals. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, it just happens, what can you say? Um, but uh, I, I do think the general public, whoever they are, are starting to, to be much more accepting of people with mental health problems. And for example, you might know that away, away from the arts, but in football, which is obviously a very important thing, um, a lot of young footballers now are, are trying to are getting the message. You know, talk about it because there have been, unfortunately, there have been a number of people, a number of footballers who have killed themselves, they've taken their own lives, and because they weren't talking to anybody about it. So that's it's a very big thing in football now to try and get to young guys and say, you know, it's, it's okay to be, not to be okay, you know. Yeah, I think um, just to touch on what you were saying, I think it is really uh, fantastic to see the, the steps that have been taken, especially for men's mental health, which is something that really hasn't in the past been spoken about, you know, as you were saying with people like Spike Milligan, you know, it would have been really hard for you know people like him to, to speak about it back then, but now you have footballers who are, you know, really good role models and coming out for young men and older men and mm -hmm. sort of bridging that, that gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, is there any ways that you would maybe like to see um, the kind of attitudes to mental health changing, say, in the next, the next five to ten years and what would you like to see? Um. I think there's there's always a need for more support, um, just you know generally, uh, and more funding for the NHS, of course. Um, in terms of attitudes, I think as we've just said there just now that the it's recognised now that men, um, particularly young men, I think uh, I don't know if that's true actually, but certainly men are notoriously bad at talking about their mental health. But we're recognising that now and we're doing something about it. Um, I think the next big one is children. Um, the, next, the next big 
issue, if you like, is going to be children's mental health. Um, and I was read, just reading a few articles about, you know, the, the whole effect of lockdown and not being at school and not seeing your, your friends and all this sort of thing. The, it's thought that that's going to have quite an impact, maybe one or two years down the line. You know, it's it maybe not immediately obvious, but it's it's going to have some kind of impact. So that's that I think is possibly going to be the next big one to to focus on, well not focus on, but to be aware of the the fact that children can be depressed as well. The, other other conditions can certainly show themselves in childhood, but even just you know kids can be depressed. It's not they're not just fed up. It can be a you know a serious thing. So that's um. I th and I, I do think that just generally speaking, we'll be much more, I would, I would hope that we are much more able to talk about our mental health and um, sometimes our lack of it. <laughs> um, I, I, then again, I do anyway, so you, you, you might have trouble shutting me up. <laughs> That's definitely not a problem for this. We want all, all your memories, all your thoughts. It's perfect. Um, Having worked with uh, young children yourself, have you seen any um, changes in, or even not changes, but just attitudes towards children's mental health? Is that anything that you've come across in your work? Not specifically, no, um, because it, it's not really what I was focusing on. I mean, I was just doing daft stuff, smelly welly show, you know. Uh, so I, I've not really been in that area. One of my I was, uh, that's not really relevant. I was going to say one of my interests is philosophy for children, because my, my own my degrees in philosophy, but that's not really relevant to what we're saying. What, I'm, what I would like to do myself in the next wee while is look a wee bit more at how somebody like myself as a writer, as a performer, could help um, to, to raise these issues and, and uh, help to support children. But I mean, I'm, I'm an old guy now. I mean, I'm not doing very much these days. I'm, I'm, I'm almost retired. So just to um, circle back, I'd quite like to know a little bit more about your work uh, with See Me and their sort of projects, because that's not um, something I know too much about. Okay, well, See Me is the programme to tackle stigma. Essentially, that's what it's about. And I've been involved for years. Like, I honestly can't remember how how long, years, a good few years. I am a media volunteer. So that means that I occasionally do interviews or I will occasionally feature in a press release. Um, I have, what else have I done? I've, I was, uh, I went to one of the companies in Glasgow, um, it was a, a law firm. And I, um, I, I just told them a wee bit about my own experience, you know, one day, just an hour or so. But they were interested enough and, and they, they had already had a visit from somebody from See Me who was doing, have you heard of Pass the Badge? Pass the Badge is a project where I, I get a badge, um, I can't even remember what it says now. It's to do with, you know, it's okay to not be okay sort of thing. And I have the badge for a few days and then I give it to somebody, say I was to give it to you. And that instigates a, con a conversation between us about mental health. That's what this is for, this badge. So then you take the badge for a short while and then you give it to somebody else and you talk. And, and, it, and it's just to start off conversations about, um, about mental health and it's okay to talk about it sort of thing. There's another one, Walk a Mile, which um, 
again, this law firm had had this had a visit from somebody, and they had started doing this, you know, before I ever arrived, where they they go out for a walk, a, a home, a group of them just say, right, let's go for a walk, say a Friday afternoon at two o'clock or whatever, um, and walk a mile or maybe even more sometimes, and just chat about how you're feeling and and how's your week been and you know, is it, is it getting you down yet, or is, it's nearly it's nearly home time, it's okay, all that sort of thing. So there's past the barge, there's um, walk a mile. Uh, as I say, I, I, um, I, I sometimes give interviews, this sort of thing. I did a, a WhatsApp, I'd never used WhatsApp before, I had to get a WhatsApp interview with somebody. And um, we, during lockdown actually, we've done a few Zoom things uh, around creative writing and, and mental health. What we tried to do was not only work about mental health. So I did one or two of my, my daft poems, my children's poems, for example. And, you know, folks seem to like that. And, you know, it's a bit of light relief, that sort of thing. Then there's another poem that I do, which is much more serious about, uh, about um, well, I wrote it for the Scottish Recovery Network. And it's called What Recovery Means to Me. They were, they were looking for people to write on, on that years ago. Uh, so, you know, that was more serious, but, you know, it got a fairly good good response, I think, you know. Could you um, tell me a little bit more about um, the recovery network and the work that you did with them? Well, I, I don't, I'm not really involved with them in the same way. It's just that through See Me, I got an email from uh, one of the, the communications guy, Nick, who said the recovery network are looking for people to write on the theme of what recovery means to me. So I, I looked at their website and it was mostly like articles and short essays that people had written. So being me, I, I emailed them and said, would you accept verse? I'm happy to write prose, but would you accept verse? And they came out with, oh yes, that's okay. We'll, we'll send us some verse. So I just, I wrote this wee poem. Um, I say we, it's about, it takes about five minutes. It's about five sections uh, about what recovery means to me. And then it kind of grew arms and legs because it, eventually it's been published in a textbook for mental health nurses. <laughs> so I was quite chuffed about that. Yeah, that, that is really impressive. Well done. <laughs> um, so do you think um, going along that, um, that, creative things could maybe help people in more sort of clinical roles to um well to learn more really and to to go back to sort of what we were saying about empathy earlier mm, definitely yeah you anybody in a clinical role or a care role at all you need to listen to the people at the sharp end because we have a different an entirely different perspective on so many different things so yes creative writing um, there's a something I I'm very vague about this because I I can't remember it exactly, but there is there is a book of poetry that is given to um, graduate doctors I think, or it might be nurses, I think it's doctors graduate doctors they're just given this poetry book for free, and it's it's a, not exclusively written by people with mental health problems, but it's it, some some folk with that background will have contributed work. And I think that's that sort of thing is very important, yeah. Just to get this is this is what it's like when you when you, you know, decide you're going to section somebody, 
that's just how it feels on the inside, you know? Yeah, it's, um, I suppose it can really give a window to different experiences. Mm, definitely. Do you know of, um, of any other um, things like that? Have you seen any other um, sort of things that are maybe geared towards more professional people or maybe even workplaces and things like that? Um, well, with CME, I quite recently took part in uh, some vi video interviews, which some of them were specifically to be shown to uh, um, mental health professionals. In fact, not mental health, maybe just health professionals um, who are going to come into contact with people with problems, uh, with mental health problems. And um, that was uh, the videos. On, I, I don't know if there's... I don't think they're public, if you know what I mean. They're, they're made for a purpose. What was the, the something co-op? Damn, I, I, I haven't, I can't get into my laptop to give you the the, the proper name for the, the people who were making the video. The video co-op or something. They're based in Glasgow anyway. And they um, they were making these videos for See Me. And, you know, the, the videos are to be shown to particularly health professionals to say, you know, this is... This is what it's like when somebody walks into your surgery, you know? Yeah. Um, what has been your experience um, in sort of um, in maybe workplaces around mental health? And do you think that there's anything that creativity could do to um, improve that maybe in the same way as kind of um, the doctor's poetry booklet that you were speaking about? Yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't really thought that much about that because I haven't, I haven't, well, I haven't worked full time, as I said, for a long time. And where I, where I have worked, it's been mostly, I'm trying to think, mostly academia. And so the, I'm thinking of Dundee University when I was working there. My my line manager was quite open about the fact that she was struggling. I don't know if it was a, a diagnosed mental illness or whether it was depression or something, but you know, we just used to chat and it was quite casual, you know, just uh, so we were both quite open about it. But I don't know, that that's quite a good point, Laura, that maybe some kind of a book aimed at a particular kind of employment might be might be um i don't know if poetry is maybe not the best way for some jobs but maybe even a comedy book you know get somebody like i don't know frankie boyle or something to write <laughs> maybe not maybe not frankie <laughs> might not be quite as sensitive as we want no i see i think he would be actually because he used to he worked in as a mental health auxiliary i think for a while we, we I didn't back. know about that. I think he, he he worked in a in a hospital. I'm pretty sure for a while. Yeah. So he's he, he's he's very his comedy is very harsh, but I think he's there's, there's something behind that. You know, it's not always that horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um. What do you think of sort of um public attitudes towards um mental health at the moment? Do you think that they've um, sort of changed in the past few years? I think so, but then bear in mind I am so open 
that it can be disarming sometimes. People kind of they don't know what to say if you're if you're that open about it, and they're they're not going to be particularly negative. Um, but I think so. I think it's gradually changing, and it's it's the ideas are improving. I mean, certainly long term. If you think back to you know even 50 years ago, and it was lock people away in the attic sort of thing, you know. Uh, so that's that's. I think it's changing. I think it's improving. 